Welcome to Wood Talk for woodworkers by woodworkers. Now here are three guys who put the fine in fine woodworking. Mark, Matt, and Shannon. All right, it is episode 295 for February 15th, 2016. On today's show, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're calling it Wood Talk Roulette. And uh, the idea here was kind of born out of laziness. We needed content for the show and we wanted to do sort of an email grab bag thing, but we thought it would be a lot funnier if we sort of randomly grab these questions because here's the reality. We try to answer things that we know we can answer well, right? (laughs) So we're very picky when we each pick our questions for the email section. So this is going to be totally random from a random number generator. We're going to pick a question out of like the hundred some that we have sitting in our uh, scrap pile there and we're just going to have to answer them and uh, with no help, no preparation, <laughs> no, no, no phone, a friend, no lifeline. <clears throat> there are just, no lifelines today. Uh, so, some bad answers. Yeah, this will be very interesting. So I'm going to start the random number generator and uh, Shannon, I'm going to make you go first. <laughs> <laughs> Is that okay? Okay. Okay. Here sure, we go. Why not? Random number generator says question. That's a low number. Question number four. So okay. let's see. What's question number four? Number four. So four is a blank spot. So we'll yes. round up to five. Round up. Okay. This comes from Pat. He says, love the show. My question is, there are a good series of woodworking projects to work through to develop good work- woodworking skills. Say, start with a small table, then picture frame, then a box, etc. Okay. We yeah, probably avoided one. this one because this is a show all by itself. Um, yeah, Pat, I, I mean, I think... I'm a firm believer that there really is no project out of reach of any skill level. It's just kind of a matter of breaking it down into the fundamental skills. So what I I usually answer this question when people ask by throwing it back at you by saying, what skills do you want to develop? Um, I I do think that starting with something like a simple side table, just four legs, four aprons and a top is a really good project because you can get a good understanding of mortise and tenon work, get a good understanding of, you know, milling, parts to specific dimensions and sizes you can get fancy if you want it's kind of a blank slate so if you wanted to taper the legs you could if you wanted to add a curve to the legs you could if you wanted to add a cool molding to the tabletop you could do that as well but you don't have to you can leave it square and it still looks pretty nice so that um what the the iconic shaker table is always a good place to start if you really want to get fancy you can add a drawer um, but if you're scared to death of doing dovetails, then you could add a drawer with just rabbits and pens or just rabbits, or you could challenge yourself and do dovetails. It's kind of, it's, it's looking at what is it that you really want to learn? More importantly, what is it that scares you? You know, hmm. what is it that's going to challenge you and build your project around that? So then you can even take a further step back and say, do you need a side table? Well, no, I don't need a side table. Then find a project that you think you actually need and break <laughs> it down to its like most basic form. You know, if it's a table, if it's a chest, you know, if it's a chest, it's four sides to a case and some dividers, right? And then kind of flesh it out from there. Do you want to have some legs on it? Do you want to sit on a skirt, et cetera? And constantly think about what is it that I'm going to have to do? If I add a skirt to this chest, what joinery do I have to use? And does that scare me? <laughs> you know, am I, am I terrified of trying that? Maybe back away from that ledge a little bit and, and forgive the expression, dumb it down a little bit to its more basic, basic parts. Yeah. But that yeah, makes sense. That's I, what I say. You know, I'm more of a on-demand learner. Um, yeah, I think this goes exactly. along with what you're saying about building what you actually need or want. Uh, there are a lot of things in woodworking 
that you could learn, but if it doesn't really fit into your wheelhouse of interest, you may never have a need for it. So why bother learning it? Um, I guess if you were trying to to present yourself as this re- really perfectly well-rounded woodworker and that was your goal, sure, you'd want to make sure you cover all your bases. But most of the time, we each kind of fall into our little groove. And yeah, you can venture out of it and, and start to learn things and go, oh, like a two, two or three years from now, you go, oh, crap, I've never learned how to do this one skill. But by then, you, you could pick it up quickly. You know, once you get the basics under your belt, most woodworking technique can, uh, can be picked up fairly fast. You don't... Uh, I have to dwell on it too long. So yeah. for me, I'm very much on demand, like build what I want to build because I'm interested in that thing and then learn the skills as I need to accomplish that thing. And I, I think that there's some error because he, he says, you know, start with a small table and then picture frame, then a box. You actually might be surprised how the little projects can get you in more trouble. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Boxes, <laughs> boxes require like airtight joinery because there's, it's such a small thing. You know, so tiny little errors are so much bigger on a small box, whereas, you know, a glaring gap and a mortise and tendon on a table, no one ever sees because the table covers it up, you know. Um, Be careful about – and picture frames, those are hard, man. (laughs) Perfect miters (laughs) and four corners, that's hard to do. That's going to be the next email is uh, how do I get perfect miters on my picture frames? (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. So clearance insert. Be careful of those really, quote, simple, small projects because they tend to not be simple and small. Not as simple as you think. Cutting boards, that's a good simple project. I think if you're really looking to do foundation, milling, things like that, you can certainly throw a cutting board into the mix. Yeah. Then you could do a video on it and (laughs) have hundreds of thousands of people build that cutting board. Only if you do that video 10 years ago. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Most people aren't able to do that, so they don't have that advantage. Uh all right, Matt, I'm going to make you go next. All right. Are you ready? Have you, have you been doing your stretches? I am. I'm stretching right now. Arms in the air. Okay, I'm spinning the wheel. Spinning the wheel of fate. The wheel of doom, let's call I it. I got 20 on black. <laughs> well, you lost. Uh, it's 30, 33 is your question. And again, you're going to have to go down one. Like, oh, okay, good. 34. Going down one. We're doing 34. Yep. I watched Izzy Swan sprinkle some salt between two boards to prevent slipping during a glue-up. Do you guys ever use this trick or something similar to it? I've heard about this, never tried it. I honestly don't really have a problem with things gluing, um, sliding around. Usually if I want them to stay put, I'll put one, the one piece on the other, rub them around a little bit. I'll kind of create a little vacuum kind of thing going on, and then they don't really move after that. Hmm. I heard about this too, and uh, it sounds interesting. Um, but it's, you know, it's just one of those things. There's a lot of those cool little tricks that you find out about and you go, Oh, that's a really cool little trick. But to actually practically apply it every time you're, you're in the shop is something you just don't think about it. Um, I can go, go up to the kitchen, get salt, <clears throat> bring it down. Wife's like, where's the salt? I'm like, I'm using it in the shop. Yeah. I got to cook. You salty you know. dog. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's interesting thing. Uh, now I wonder, do you have to use like, can you just use regular table salt? Do you have to use sea salt? Probably like, probably like pickling salt. Kosher salt. salt. Yeah. You need something <laughs> really, really heavy grain. Margarita salt. <laughs> Gotta be margarita salt. <laughs> Only the best. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's one of those things. How about the, um, I mean, obviously the Domino is like a great solution, but an expensive solution for, for that. And I, that's one that I use all the time. Um, but I've heard of folks just using like the, um, uh, Brad nail mm-hmm. trick. Yep, and just you know, snipping off, uh, just putting a brad nail in, snipping it off, and then you've got something when you press them together. Uh, it's not likely to come apart. Yeah, I'm with Matt. I just rub them around until they start to tack up. It works especially well with hide glue. Yeah, you know, it doesn't take very long before it starts to tack up, and then they just don't slip on you anymore. Yeah, that's how I do all my glue blocks. I don't clamp them at all. I just rub them in there and let them sit. Yeah, rub it, rub it, um, rub it in. All right, cool. Well, now it's my turn. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. You guys kind of got off easy, if I'm honest here. <laughs> I, I was expecting a little bit more of a thing here. 
Yeah. All right. Let's move to mine and uh, going to spill spin the wheel of doom. I hope it's like a tree milling question for you. <laughs> I really do too. <laughs> uh, one eleven is my number. Let me take a look here. Where are we? One eleven. Scrolling down. <clears throat> See, it's even more words. Oi. All right. One twelve. <laughs> I'm already daunted by this. Uh, my name is Alex. I'm a wannabe fine furniture maker in the making uh, from Moncton, New Brunswick, Canada. I'm currently building a dresser out of solid pine for my daughter. I was going to use metal slides for the drawer sides, but uh, I thought I'd give solid wood runners a shot. I don't have access to tons of hardwood for now, and I was going to use pine for the runners. I was wondering if pine was suitable for making runners or if I would try if I should try to find hardwood. Anything to avoid using metal runners uh, because people will judge if I do. Uh, thank you very much for the great show. Um, I am, he says, thanks for the great show, eh? I embrace the stereotype. <laughs> now, first of all, who the hell is judging your runners? <laughs> right like you build a, a piece Seriously, of furniture you live in canada people are supposed to be nice up there <laughs> even still you built this for your daughter you think it's his daughter she's like <laughs> his daughter. Uh, dad daddy you know. are these metal are you kidding me like daddy i thought you loved me <laughs> you didn't use wooden runners so yeah I, I can't imagine people truly judging you so if you wanted to use uh, metal runners and we've talked about this in past episodes. Like we tend to think that way too. Like, Oh, don't use metal runners. That's not fine furniture. The reality is the, the, the building, the joinery, the rest of the piece, it's final appearance is kind of what makes that fine furniture. Uh, if you, even though I, I'm one of those people who also doesn't want to use them, if I can avoid them, there are times where functionally speaking, especially a dresser that's being given to a child, uh, who may be a little bit more rough with these things. Uh, there's nothing wrong with a good quality metal slide being installed there. So at least, you know, put that in the back of your mind. Uh, now that said pine, not my first choice. You know, when you're talking about a wood, that's going to be rubbed constantly. You do want something that's a little more durable, a little harder. That isn't going to dent as easy. Uh, isn't maybe not going to expand and contract quite as much. If you can use like quarter sawn material for that and uh, wood species that aren't likely to uh, swell quite as much, that means your drawer is just going to work more over the course of time. Uh, but if you use pine, it's not that it's going to like self-destruct. It, it'll be fine. Um, but ultimately you have more potential, I think for problems. If you use something that's a little bit too soft like that. So uh, maybe just get some oak, you know, something that's just a little bit more durable, not much more expensive. Uh, and again, it's on the inside. Now, of course, when it comes time for the judgment period on your drawer slides, someone may say that that oak looks terrible with the rest of this piece. Um, but in all likelihood, no one's going to look at it and you'll be proud that you're using a wood solution for this instead of metal and uh, everybody will be happy and your daughter will uh, enjoy it. So yeah, that's, uh, I actually had an answer. I'm impressed with myself. Hey, look at that. Yeah, thanks for that question, Alex. Um, so how are we doing on time? Maybe we just do another round. We're only 10 minutes into this one. Sure, why not? All right, we're back to Shannon. Oh, man, I lost my place. I have to go find his question. Hitting the wheel, spinning the wheel of doom. And Shannon, your question is number 116. 116. <clears throat> okay. This is from Will. Mark, Shannon, and new Matt. I am a new hand tool woodworker. Yes. Oh, oh you got to be kidding me. I'm currently working on a Rubo-ish bench out of box store pine. I started chopping through the mortises for the legs to join the top. The mortises came out okay, but I made a new mistake while cutting one. I cut from what will be the underside to what will be the top. I now have a lovely spot of tear out running from one end of the mortise for about five inches with a depth of about a half inch in the deepest spot. Is there anything I can use to fill this that would be tough enough to stand up to the punishment a benchtop takes? 
Thanks for all you guys do for us hapless newbies. Yeah, well, this one's easy. Fill it with the same material you're making the bench with. That's pretty one, uh, pretty straightforward there. I would not fill it in terms – when you say fill it, I'm thinking like wood putty and stuff. No, don't do that um, because it's going to get beat, beat all the hell on you. Um, mm-hmm. What you need to do is um, lay out a rectangle that encompasses that tear out. And then cut a rectangle of the same material. Um, Mark just deleted that question on me. Did he, he said he was using pine, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he just deleted it out and moved it into the other show notes. Yeah, box um, store so, pine. You know, find, find some more pine. And if you want to get real picky and grain match it and everything, it's a workbench. Just relax. Back away from that edge. Um, and you cut out another rectangle to match the, the, the rectangle you did. And you essentially you're inlaying it into place. And you can inlay it, you know. You could inlay a, uh, what did he say? It was a half an inch deep, I think. So stick a three-quarter inch piece in there, you know, and um, glue it into place, flush it up, and you're you're back in business. Uh, it's essentially fixed, and it's going to be the same material, and it's not going to cause you any problems. Cool. And, it you know, it might stick out like a sore thumb, and if that really bothers you, there are ways to blend inlays a little bit more by using non-straight Paint. lines, but oh. now you're getting really complicated. Just so. near the whole top. There you go. There you go. That's a good solution. <laughs> a little top down. But this is this is great. You know, this is great practice because this is going to happen to you again. I guarantee it's going to happen to you again. Mm-hmm. So um, it's a very common fix to just kind of inlay another piece in there. Um, and you're good to go. Cool. All right, Matt, you ready? That one was easy. All right. All right. Here we go. These easy questions. All right. Spinning All right. the wheel of doom. And your Ooh. number is 75. Yeah, scroll. Got to round up this again. Fun. <laughs> this is good. All right. Oh, I think this you're going to like from, this one. From Ray. I'm a hobbyist woodworker and I currently do not have a table saw. I've heard that cabinet mounted trunnion saw is better than a table mounted one. Is this true? Uh, what is the benefit of a cabinet mount over a table mount? Although I'm saving for a saw stop, I would like to get a saw to use now. Grizzly has a G0771 hybrid. I have a small garage shop, which they say has a cabinet mounted trunnion but it's cheaper than the 0715p that has a table mount i'm confused they seem to have the same features except for the trunnions any advice on this as far as them working i'm pretty sure that they it's like functionality wise goes they probably work exactly the same in that like you have the same like user experience like run the saw when the mounts really come into play is when you go to adjust that saw um and how how difficult it is to actually get that blade you know, parallel to the miter slots and all that fun stuff. So the cabinet mounts are, I think those are the easier ones. Yeah, that's what I have. It makes it super easy because you can just pop the, the top off the, um, off the table saw and you have access to the trunnion right there and you can make all your adjustments there pretty easily. Actually, you want to take the top off. You just kind of move it around. Otherwise, you have to get up underneath there and you're messing with the mounts on the underside of the tabletop, mm-hmm. which can be a little more difficult to have to shim it Something like that. I just, every single time I've heard someone trying to adjust one of those tail mount ones. Uh, it's like, a nightmare. That sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah. It sounds terrible. But I've had to do that. That's why I use hand tools now. But, Ever since I had to adjust my trunnions, I was like, screw this. I'm out. Fucking hand tools. You never know. You might get a perfectly adjusted saw right out of the box, too. So, you know, who knows? You might that's never always, have to adjust it. That's always fun until it goes out of calibration. It's like, oh, this thing worked great for 10 years. And now suddenly. Calibration. What? Come on. Oh, that's true. Calibration <laughs> is for, uh, for ninnies. All right, good stuff. Um, my turn. Here we go. Question number 11. 
Let's see where Ooh. we're at here. It's hard to... Okay, there's nothing under it. So I'm going to jump to 16 is the next one on the list. Just being okay. fair. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. This is from Small Town John. It says, I'm a young woodworker, 18, and as such, broke. Restoring hand tools is my only way to have them. So my question is... How do I know if it's performing as it should? I just sharpened my panel saw and attempted to resaw four inch wide poplar and it was slow. Uh, thanks for all the knowledge. Well, here's the thing. Uh, saws are slow. And uh, <laughs> that's, that's just, there you go. Um, so, you know, restoring hand tools, this is one of the traps. One of the difficult things about restoring hand tools and using those as your first tools is you lack a frame of reference. And this is something that for me personally, the first few planes that I ever got uh, were restored in terms of like I got the rust off and I did my best to sharpen them, but that was about all I could do. And I wasn't even very good at sharpening. So when I put the tool to the wood, I was like, this is just stupid. Like, why would anyone do this? This is horrible work because the tool wasn't tuned up well enough. Right. So I put off my journey into hand tools for a long time. And it wasn't until uh, I met a friend locally. This is back when I lived in Temecula, who had a really beautiful, uh, well tuned Lee Nielsen. No, it wasn't Lee Nielsen. I think it was a Lee Valley uh, Veritas smoother. And he had a board set up, kind of like they do at the show. Like you get your nicely easy to plane board <laughs> perfectly set up so everyone can walk along and kind of dummy proof push it through. Uh, and I did that and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like the, the surface that was left behind was just glass smooth. Uh, and I, I was like a light bulb turned on at that moment. And I was like, I don't know how to set up a, a plane like this, the this work that I did before. Yeah. Maybe these things could have been good user planes, but, um, not the way I ca- calibrated or tuned them up to. Uh, so at that point I understood. So I don't know if you have the ability or if a local Lee Nielsen show, they travel throughout the year, you'll find you'll get uh, your local woodworking stores will tend to host at least once a year one of these Lee Nielsen shows. If you can get your hands on a well-tuned plane and get yourself some kind of frame of reference, even go to a woodcraft store or something where they have, maybe they have the Wood River planes set up, you might be able to get just a few passes on it. You got to get that frame of reference because using these hand tools should not be hard. Right. I mean, if you use a really gnarly wood or something like that and uh, and it just gives you trouble and starts to give you lots of tear out, that is a case where, you know, it's a, the exception. But if you're using easy to plain wood, these tools, if they're tuned up, should not be super difficult to work with. And if they are, there's definitely still a problem. So the trick at the beginning is to find out what the problem is and how to make it better. Right. And that's something that's very difficult to do without some some guidance. So keep doing your research, uh, keep reading up. But generally speaking, if it doesn't seem right, it probably isn't right. And if you can get your hands on some some quality uh, tuned up uh, tools, that's going to give you a good frame of reference that you can move forward on. Uh, you know, with the saw, I don't really saw much with hand saws. So, you know, to me, all saws are slow if they're not uh, attached to an outlet. <laughs> so, <laughs> and resawing in general. I mean, he is talking about a four inch wide board. But yeah, that's, that's going to take some time. We don't know anything about his panels. Like he says panel saw, which by definition means a 18 to 22 inch finer pitch saw. Yeah. Um, he, if he means a hand saw, I, I don't know. It just could be most people don't know that distinction, but still it's slow. Yeah. <laughs> it is slow. It's going to take for some time. Most of those saws. Uh, if I resaw four inch wide poplar on my, you know, three points per inch resaw saw, it's fast. But, you know, a five points per inch saw is going to be substantially slower because there's just no place to carry away that sawdust in a resaw. And it just really, really slows things down. Well, even in the power tool world, one of the slowest operations we have going is resawing boards. 
Yeah. You know, generally speaking, you have to take your time. It's a slower process. There's a lot of meat to move through and a lot of chips to clear. So uh, it will be slow. The one thing I tell people is if you find like you're really worn out, you're doing something wrong, Um, especially when it comes to sawing. Hand sawing is not that difficult. It's not your arm shouldn't be hurting. It shouldn't be sore. You know, you might get your heart rate up a little bit because it is a cardiovascular thing, but it's purely cardiovascular. You shouldn't feel like you're lifting weights. If that's the case, your saw is dull or it's tuned improperly or it's binding or something like that. If you're getting like muscular pain in general, something's not right. Um, and, and it is funny because you hear so many people like, man, especially on YouTube, man, that's really slow. I don't know how you do that. And nine times out of 10, it's because they haven't worked with a well-tuned saw yeah. or well-tuned plane or anything like that. It's really doesn't take a lot of physical like strength to use these tools. Right. Yeah, I actually like to do that while I jog just for extra exercise. I just carry a saw and a board around. <laughs> yeah, just saw just boards. Get a little yeah. upper body workout while I'm going. Sure. Good stuff. All right. Well, I think that does it for Wood Talk Roulette. Uh, let us know if you like this style. It's kind of a different approach to the email grab bag. It's um, a little less predictable. I think, I don't know. I kind of think we went six for six on that one. I don't think anybody was like really stumped to any embarrassing level, <laughs> so, no, which was is actually I mean, what I was hoping for to make it more interesting. I was expecting a little more drama. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. All right. Well, maybe we'll do another one and, and, and hopefully we'll have more drama there. <laughs> yeah. We need, we need more, you know, saw your own lumber for Mark. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know. The hand tool one could have thrown me for a loop, but, uh, you know, I do know something about hand tools. Uh, All right. Well, if you want to support the show, you can. You can head to woodtalkshow.com. Look in the right-hand column. You'll see some donation links for one-time or small recurring donations, which we always appreciate. You can go to twwstore.com and get yourself a Wood Talk t-shirt, or you could leave us a review in the iTunes store. Just uh, head to the store, look us up, click on ratings and reviews, and give us a nice five-star rating. We appreciate it. And Shannon, why don't you give them the contact info, and we'll get out of here. Okay. If you have questions or comments or suggestions for future roulette shows, we have several <laughs> ways you can contact us. You can leave a voicemail on Skype. Our username is Wood Talk Online. Please call our voicemail at 623-242-5180 or use our contact form at woodtalkshow.com slash contact. Finally, you can also reach us on our Wood Talk Facebook page. So if you're looking for the show notes or downloads from today's show or previous episodes, you can find them at woodtalkshow.com. And don't forget, we all have our own websites too at thewoodwhisperer.com, renaissancewoodworker.com, and mattcremona.com. Yeah, baby. Whoop. Yeah. Awesome. Good stuff. We need to find some cool casino music to play in the background for the show. <laughs> yeah, I at least have to get the, the roulette ding, wheel ding, going, ding. something like that. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you next time. See, See you later.